Hey everybody, welcome back to the Neuroverse podcast. I'm your host, Magnus Hedemark. It's good to have everybody here back in the Neuroverse. We've got a great guest lined up for you this week. I'm going to talk a little bit more about our guest and introduce you to our guest soon. But first, I want to talk about what's going on with the show. Um, as you heard last week, I had put out uh, a call for help just to make sure that we were financially supporting the show and make, making sure that uh, we were paying the bills, keeping the lights on. It cost me about 20 bucks a month to keep the show running. Uh, I'm really happy to say we've got about 27 bucks a month coming in uh, for patrons. So that's awesome. I really want to thank you for that. And, uh, I'm looking into right now what it's going to cost to, uh, provide professional, uh, transcripts for the show. I'd really love to do that to make the show more accessible, more discoverable. And, um, I'm, I'm going to have some answers for that. Uh, and, and that's going to really set the next, uh, goal for the, for the Patreon. If you want to be a patron of the show, uh, one of the really big benefits aside j- just from keeping this working is that you'll have early access. Okay. So you generally get access to the show the same day that I record the interview, which is often three or four days before everybody else gets to hear the show. So that's just one token of my appreciation to, to those who are keeping the lights on enough of that. Okay. We've got a great guest today. So I am here with Asuka Emmanuel Abua. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. All right. So, uh, but he, go, he goes by Emmanuel. Welcome to the show, Emmanuel. Thank you, Magnus. Thank you for having me. And I, you know, I saw you following me and poking around and, and giving support uh, from day one. As soon as I started this show, you were right there and following along and giving word of support. Really appreciate it. It's not always easy starting a new thing and feeling like you're not doing great and, and just having you there and knowing uh, that, that you were there and supporting the show was, was fantastic. Yeah, I was a big fan. And uh, I actually knew one of the people that you had on for the first episode. Um, oh, really? I knew Bree, right? Bree, um, I love I knew Bree. Bree. Yeah, Bree. Yeah, Bree's awesome. Um, you know, we have a lot of the same things in common, and you know, she's just a you know she's just a great supportive. You know, she's a great supportive individual, and uh, you know, I heard her speak on a on Daniel's YouTube channel too, and you know, I was just like, I just really need to see if I can reach out and contact her. And she's just um, become a really good friend. So She is a good really friend. Cool yeah, she is. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to have you here in another episode. We had my good friend, Wes Wade, and we talked with him about his experience as a black man with ADHD. And he talked about, uh, I, I think the, the big point that really hit home for me was, ADHD accelerated the black experience for him. Mm-hmm. And you reached out and said, you know, Hey, I'd love to talk to you too. I'm, 
an autistic black man with ADHD. And that intersection is just fascinating. I'd love to hear more about, uh, about your life, your life experience. So, um, why don't you tell me a little about, um, did, did you always know that you were autistic? Uh, actually I did not know I was autistic. In fact, knowing, um, anything about, I knew very, very little about the, uh, autistic experience. I knew very, very little about anything autistic. Um, I remember in your fourth episode, you specifically said you, you had a very limited viewpoint to you know, autism in the autistic world. I mean, I thought autism usually happened to white males, right? And, right. you know, they were highly intelligent. You know, just when when I thought of autism prior to my diagnosis, I, I sadly thought of like, um, you know, I sadly thought of like Rain Man or, or Sheldon Cooper, but I had always had trouble you know, amongst my family and my peers socially, it was incredibly, it was incredibly difficult to, uh, to understand many of the social um, nuances that neurotypical people can easily pick up on. I actually did quite well in school, uh, okay. but socially I was, academically, yes. Socially, no, I, I had. So a, you love the had, the studies, but getting along with oh, other love, folks your age was a totally different ball game. Right. I mean, usually the the friends that I had, I had very few friends my actual age. I had either friends that were way older or way young. That sounds familiar. And, yeah. Right, and I love the library. I love I of love course. the library. I love computers. That still. You know, even at my age, that still hasn't uh, that still hasn't changed. Um, I was just more comfortable sitting in a room surrounded by books than really interacting with uh, than really interacting with people. And as far as the uh, the autism thing is concerned, I mean, the autism diagnosis is concerned. I didn't get. I'm a late. I was late diagnosed. I was diagnosed at 27. Wow. And, you know, that was, it wasn't one of those, you know, it wasn't one of those, I watched a documentary and all of a sudden I was curious. It was, I was having, I was not only having trouble socially, I was having trouble academically because I was trying to finish college around that time. And I got placed on um, academic expulsion and I lost my apartment around the same time too. So basically all of these life changes happened that culminated in me having to move back with my, with my father temporarily. And my father's girlfriend at the time looked up a documentary on, uh, looked at, saw a documentary on TV about you know, uh, Asperger's, this was back when they were still using the term, but it was about to be phased out. She saw a documentary about it and she was like, oh, well, Emmanuel looks like he might have that. So, you know, I went to, you know, I, I went to go get tested and 
still at this point did not actually believe I had it by the sure. way. I mean, I was yeah. literally just humoring, was literally just humoring all these people. And I was just like, you, you, you wasted thousands of dollars to make me take all these runs, these battery tests. And it turns out that I didn't have it. So when I found out that it did, it was really quite, it was really quite jarring to realize yeah. that I had it. Well, there's that whole stereotype and you like, don't fit it in any way. Right. Right. Exactly. And even now, you know, with, when I speak to people or I sit on panels or, or, you know, do interviews and stuff like that, I still get that. Oh, you don't act like you're autistic or, Oh, you don't sound like you're autistic or, Oh, you can maintain eye contact. You're too smart. So you can't be autistic. Exactly. So something you said earlier kind of fascinated me. So Hmm. You you didn't know until your late twenties that you were autistic, but yeah. you know you had a lot of the early hallmarks like that insatiable curiosity, the love of books, and so on. Doing well scholastically in school until college. What what changed in college that made it so hard to to get by? I would. You know, I would say, and as I see every, you know, as I see other, uh, as I see other students graduating now, currently, I, I uh, half of it was, was that I listened to my parents and mm. they didn't really know anything. You know, ultimately they really didn't know anything about me or what I liked or what I or what I aspired to be. And I just went to, and it was a terrible reason to, I just went to college because everybody else did. I never took the time sure. to sit back and say, what do I really want to do? What do you want for Where your do life? I really, well, what do I really want for my life? Because you know, you're 18, you're 17, 18 years old. You think you have all this time to really, you know, think you have all this time to really figure it out. And, and I went to, and uh, the first school I went to, I went to Tuskegee University. That was my first school. And uh, and I, I'm i still best friend. I never finished, but it was my first school. And I'm still friends with all of them, with with the, with some of the classmates I went to, I went to school with. But uh, I was not very good in math and science. And for some... That breaks the stereotype. Right. But for some weird reason, I picked chemical engineering okay which i shouldn't right which which looking back i shouldn't have which i shouldn't have picked and you know i back then i i cared a lot about my i cared a lot about my father's opinion and what he thought of me and i had a desperate i had a desperate need to please so i was miserable i was unhappy and then this uh this patch design came up for one of the engineering competitions because I went into the, the summer program, the early engineering summer program for a Tuskegee university called the, uh, the fast track program. And there was a patch design and I did that. And I was really, and it made me really happy. And I told my father and he just did not, you know, as an engineer himself, he just did not respond well. So like a, this is me still being undiagnosed. Like right. I think 
I need to try harder at this. Maybe I'm just not getting it. And I eventually just, this is the first time looking back, knowing what I know now, it looks like, uh, it looks like I, I had a, um, I, I, I burned out basically. Yes. I, I basically tried to be something that I basically tried to be something that I couldn't. And then I went back home for a little while after Tuskegee and, you know, I tried going back to just, you know, community college. This And at this point, you know, I had already gotten, you know, tested for ADHD. Turned out that I had it. Okay. So still, you're getting some still, answers. Right. But I was still having trouble. I was still having trouble in school. So I had this. I had this, this, this gap, I had this gap where I kept going, but then I would keep burning out and then I'd have to come back and then I would try again. And then I think this was the third school. This is the final school. Um, and are you still studying subject matter that was prescribed by your parents instead of what you wanted? No. Um, what I cover now is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do, you know, I'm trying to do autism advocacy work and then, right. uh, and then I'm trying to, you know, get, you know, I'm trying to, you know, speak on, uh, current events and maybe do, maybe do like some researching, um, artwork on the side. Once I can get some, get some money in, ironically enough, I was actually trying to start my own podcast oh. and I realized that, right. And I realized that I didn't, well, number one, I couldn't get anybody. I couldn't find anybody to interview with. And then number two, I just, I didn't have the, I'm realizing now that I don't have the proper equipment to, or I feel like I don't have the proper equipment to do so. I mean, I think there's still right. a lot more that I need to, I need to learn, but you know, between the podcasting and the, um, you know, the job, I still work at, uh, I still work at Ventures ACL. It's just, um, it's a little slow because of the virus. So, you know, I'm just trying to find other, other ways to, uh, speak up and get my voice out there and, um, you know, open myself up to more like creative avenues and stuff like that. So, well, if, if you're, podcast is autism advocacy, you've got, you've got me, I'll be a guest and I'm sure Bree would probably love to help. I'm volunteering. Yeah, she tried, right but she just uh, she just moved, and then I think she's trying to move again. Yeah. So I think she's just, I think she's just a little because I did, I did ask her. I was actually, you know, I was actually going to do what you did, and I was actually really just getting to the point where I was just going to do what you did in like the fourth episode and just talk for like four years. Yeah, just get content out there. Right, like just, you know, just getting something out there like like i said like when me and wesley were speaking to you earlier it was just it's easier just to get something out there imperfectly than just nothing yes. perfectly so i just i'm I, that's what i'm that's what i'm really trying to do right now just get my voice out there any way any way i can that's why you know i'm ultimately grateful that uh I found the writing collective neuroclastic and I can write on my experiences of being oh, autistic cool. and tell, tell and, me about that. Um, neuroclastic. Um, actually she, um, it's, uh, it's ran by this lady. Um, her name is Tara Vance. 
and she asked me to come on board in December of last year. And I've been writing articles for for the for the group since then. And uh, it's just basically writing and uh, you know creative output by autistic people for autistic people. I love that. And and um, I've written on everything from like the aspects of like self hate to like uh, how I felt about the George. about aspects of what I dealt with in my past. Um, you know, I'm just basically trying to find my voice. I know a lot of the work that I put out on the site is I'm a perfectionist by nature. So I don't really see any of it as perfect. I just see them all as like works and I just see them all as like works and training. And, but, uh, Tara liked my, you know, Tara liked my work so much. She, uh, she had this, uh, she had this project where she was trying to uh, help this kid, this autistic individual who was, um, you know, uh, who, who was uh, in trouble, who was in trouble with the law. And uh, she she asked to quote me for the Washington Post article. She put like three or four days into it. And I was just like, you know, I think that's the first time we've ever been acknowledged by a, a major a major news publication and it was a you know I saw it as a you know I saw it as a big deal you know uh because the Washington Post is like you know the big league so but uh I, I actually found her over Twitter like I found you and Wesley and everybody else and uh she just uh she she was fascinated by me she suggested that I that I uh, write a couple of things and if she felt they were good, she would post them up and she liked what I wrote at first. And I've just been trying to put out like something a week since. I mean, I had a little bit of trouble at the beginning writing something Mm -hmm. and then the virus happened and then my writing output definitely shot up because of course it's like there was nothing. Yeah, where else are you gonna go? Uh, Absolutely, so. but yeah, she's just she's great and uh she she just she's just so supportive and just for her to ask me um to um to be quoted it's just it, it was a huge honor for me. I mean, it really feels like the work I put into trying to be a figure in the public and the advocacy work it just feels it it's been it's been a long time. I think I've been doing it for like two or three years. I haven't been doing it for very long, so I'm eternally grateful to that I uh, that I got that that I got that chance. So that's awesome. I I found the site. I'm going to put a link to Neuroclastic in the show notes for this episode, so that cool. everybody can find it. And I'll nice. see if I, uh, if I can find a way to link directly to your work, so that people can can read up on what you've been writing. And I also think that's great. That's something that I think the autistic community has been missing for a long time for too long. It's been people that look like me or, or white women. And we're starting to figure out now, I'd, I'd like to hear how you think we're doing at it, but we're starting to figure out now, like there's so many voices that are unrepresented or underrepresented that haven't had a place at, a table that's been too small, frankly. 
Absolutely. Um, you spoke on the fourth episode about um, quite possibly getting, you know, Haley Moss. And, you know, Haley was supposed to uh, speak for our self-advocacy group, um, uh, the, uh, the Atlanta Self-Advocacy Network's uh, Women's Collective, you know, that was supposed to, she was supposed to be the uh, keynote speaker. So um, what I have noticed is that, yes, the table definitely does. I haven't been, first, I haven't been doing this for very long. But from what I've noticed is that I have met so many, uh, so many artistic people who are just varied and different in all sorts of incredibly fantastic and different ways. And the fact that the table is getting bigger and that we are acknowledging that, hey, there are black, you know, the autistic black and transgender individuals and there are autistic sex workers and there are autistic moms and, you know, there are autistic, uh, autistic moms and dads. And I'm just like, people don't really, I think the mainstream media finally picking up on that is like, it's a, it's a big, you know, it's a big deal. I, I think we still got I think they've still got a long way to go in regards to like accurate rep and like sometimes accurate representation, but definitely even within the last two or three years that I've been doing self-advocacy work and speaking at panels and, and, uh, you know, being, you know, being on TV and, uh, writing on the autistic experience, I am noticing it. I am noticing a definite shift and it is, it is, it is quite honestly good to see. I love that. Right. And that's, that's kind of, you know, if you heard my fourth episode, you know, that's really one of my primary motivations for this show Right. is Absolutely. to find those voices that just aren't being heard enough or aren't being heard loudly enough and just slow down and take some time and listen. Exactly. Exactly, because I, I I know from my I know my, from my personal experience I knew very little I I still don't know I still don't know nearly as much as I feel like nearly as much as I feel like I should and being a personal being a personal self advocate and telling my story is went a huge long way towards understanding uh towards understanding other autistics as well i i know my current job helped out in a big way with that in regards to you know connecting me with and in regards to like connecting me with like interviews and and television and you know sitting on panels and and uh and getting chances to sit on boards and stuff, getting chances to sit on like autistic boards and stuff like that. So I've come, I think what I've come to realize more than anything is that any chance that I get to be able to speak or, or be interviewed or to say something 
that'll help all, you know, help all of us autistics and make sure that their voices and their opinions are heard. I, that really matters. And that's important. That's important to me. And I, what happened, I, I, I fear what happened to me couldn't still happen even now, even though that the table is getting bigger, even though that, you know, that there's more access to like opportunities and hearing other people's perspectives that someone could be diagnosed late or, or, um, or something, or, or another issue or something like that and just realize that, you know, they could get help now. They could be supporting, they could be supported now at a younger age. I mean, I, it took me a long time to be okay with the fact that I can't get those years back, but I can help, I can do more now. I can right. help, I can help now to make sure that what happened to me doesn't happen to like another, another autistic individual. So if, if you had known when you were in college that you were autistic, can you imagine something the school could have done to support your success better? Thinking about I, like other autistic students that are walking the same path and having the same challenges you faced. Uh, there are so many. First of all, I think it's like, I think it's massively harder to. Well, I think it's easier and I think it's easier and harder to be autistic in school. I now than compared to when I first started because nobody knew. Right. I I I went to I went to get services. I went to get support. I you know autism wasn't really something that, you know, the schools really picked up on back then. And you know, I went to three schools. Still nobody really still nobody really caught it. So on on that respect, the fact that, you know, more colleges are capable of picking up the fact that somebody could be autistic or on the spectrum or have a problem like that, that there's a higher chance that that could happen. Um, the, there's a higher chance that you could be, there's a higher chance that you could really get support and you could really help. And then also the internet, the autism community online wasn't as big right. then as it was now. I mean, you can pretty much get on like the wrong planet forum or like Twitter or or anywhere now and you know find someone who likes the same anime that you like or, or find an artist that likes the same anime you like or the same TV show that you you can't get enough of or or it's fast right. or like trains yeah. or something like that so I still think I still think it's tough in the eyes of society that people still don't people still don't see it or, or don't, or don't know anything about it, which is why, you know, I, I'm adamant about sitting in as many interviews and as many groups as I can to explain, uh, explain about the fact that what's being, po what's, what's being put out there by you know, by the media is not an accurate representation of, of who we all are because 
there's just like so many of us that, that, you know, they're higher functioning, they can mask well, and then some can't do it at all. Some can mask well at work, but they can't, uh, but, you know, they probably act completely different at home. And, you know, the, the media does not frame those experiences particularly, particularly well. And then of course, the aspect of, you know, underemployment is still, is a huge issue that I'm noticing amongst that group now, like uh, they have degrees, they have degrees and mm-hmm. they have degrees, they have solid degrees, but you know, the, the best they can do is, uh, you know, like some lower level, you know, like a lower level job. Yeah. And, and that's always, and that's always hugely disheartening. It's still something, it's still something I see because, you know, they didn't make it through like, the interview where they didn't have the proper accommodation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Didn't make eye contact or didn't give a good handshake. Didn't exactly. mask as neurotypical well enough. Right. I, I can't like tell you is, uh, how many young autistic people I've seen who are absolutely brilliant, like would have a degree in computer science or physics or you know, way smarter than me. And they might be like pushing a broom at the supermarket not that that's a bad job. That's, I mean, but it's something they're way, way overqualified for Absolutely. because the jobs that they're qualified for aren't accessible to them. Right. So it's still, you know, even now, and especially, you know, with the, I, I don't, um, I don't know how the rest of the year or like the next year is going to look. I'm like, I, I see, I see that that could that could be an actual real reality. A lot of them could go through school and they're you know they're working at you know they're flipping burgers at McDonald's or or put you know pushing a room. I'm like that's still a very solid that's still a very solid reality that can still happen despite you know the table getting bigger and people and you know people speaking out more and we're seeing and you know more. And there are more spotlights put on like different, different type, uh, different autistic individuals. Can, is, is there anything that you can think of that would make an immediate difference if we just change like one or two things about how we hire people that would make the right jobs more accessible? You know, I, I feel it, sh- it should be a requirement to figure out, uh, not figure out, should be a requirement to be aware of it, uh, to be aware of an autistic, like different, like different questioning or, or maybe the lighting needs to be different yeah. or, or maybe they need to be dressed a certain way. That's, that, that, that inter uh, because that interview that interview is so in, you know that interview is so important and or let's see like with my job like with my current job you know they allowed they allow like somebody important to come in and sit you know next to them or sit behind the autistic person and oh, make well. them feel comfortable yeah. and make them feel comfortable and familiar with the uh, 
with what was going on. Like, like, like they're there, but they're not really like actually, they're not really actually part of the conversation. You know, mm-hmm. that actually, that actually did go, uh, that actually did go a long way. So, I, I, I can I tell you. Think, hmm. Oh, I was just gonna say, I, I can tell you from my own job hunting experience what would absolutely terrify me that I think my interviewers would never think of. And I was too afraid to say anything about it was something like sitting me down in the interview room with my back to the door and having the sensory experience of knowing there's people behind me that I can't see. And just having my brain overwhelmed by trying to understand what's behind me. And then I can't focus on the interview that's happening in front of me. Whereas if I had been allowed to pick my own seat, I probably would have picked a a seat where my back was to a wall or to a corner so that the entire sensory experience was in front of me and I can focus on what's in front of me. Absolutely. Even a window, even uh, I've I've noticed a couple of instances where people can easily be distracted by what's going on in the window. If the interviewers, (laughs) if the interviewers back is to the window and, and he's looking like at, and he's looking at the window, and he, and like something cool happens. Like a bird flying around or something. Right, right. He'll, uh, they'll notice that mm-hmm. over the, they'll notice that over the interviewer. So, but the yeah. interviewer might think we're distracted when really, like exactly. for the autistic brain, the foreground and background stimulus, stimuli are like of equal importance. So we're taking it all in, and not yeah, just you're taking it the all interview. In. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Right. Right. So, uh, we were talking a little bit before the show that you were, you were able to, do I understand this right? That you were able to hmm. find work through a neurodiversity hiring program? Yes. Uh, I, I was recommended to, um, the, uh, it was called the Leap program at Eaton Academy. It, uh, it, it, it's a, the LEAP is an acronym for learn, uh, educate, adapt, prepare. And it, it, was, it, it helps autistic adults, you know, learn social skills and uh, help them to be prepared for the workforce. And the head of the, the, head of the organization, um, uh, Chris Fix, uh, he's a neurotypical great guy. Um, he knew, he knew the people that, he knew the people that started up the, he personally knew the people that were starting up the company that I'm at right now. And, you know, he, uh, I think they were going to do like a joint venture. I think they were going to do like a joint venture thing. Cause it was just starting up. This was like three years ago. Cause it was just starting up and like people who, gra- people who, graduate out elite program would go get a job at Ventures ATL. And for whatever reason, I don't really know what, I don't really know what happened. It didn't, it didn't pan out, you know, it didn't pan out that way, but, but that, that hiring program, um, I wouldn't even have gotten into the hiring program if it wasn't for the, the therapist I had, the therapist I had at the time, uh, she found it, she found it for me and um, that program found me the current job that I'm at right now. That's awesome. 
That's great. Right. And but I imagine that the hiring process was a lot different than a typical hiring process. Where oh, they, <laughs> well, right, I mean, I, I've done previous jobs. I've, I mean, I've had jobs. Um, uh, I've worked in retail. I've done pizza delivery, so I know what. Right, I've seen like you know, I've yeah. applied for like office jobs and stuff like that. This one was entirely different. You know, we had accommodations, we had help, we had, you know, we had accommodations, we had help, we had support. Uh, Ventures ATL was very, very good about, on one hand, making, on one hand, making it, making the interview accommodating, but at the same time, trying to figure out if we could still do the job that we wanted to do, still do the job that they needed us to do at the, at the job itself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm I'm in I'm in, I'm eternally, um, I'm a, I'm eternally grateful. I'm eternally grateful for that. That I was give you know that I was given that opportunity. And and I, if you if you ever go to their if you ever go to the site, it's just adventuresatl.com. You know, I think the current team. Is uh, is up there, right? Is is on the front page. I think the current um, team is up there on the front page, and uh, they're really they're really good people. So awesome. Okay. Yeah. So as you go around and do, you do these interviews and the panels and the writing, is there a, mm-hmm. like a common theme, like one thing you hope everybody takes away from having met you? The one thing I hope people take away from having met me is that I'm always learning. I'm always learning and I always want to try, I always want to try to understand and I'm constantly, I'm constantly a curious person. I I, I constantly, I constantly want, I constantly want to, I constantly want to understand and I constantly question everything. And that can be a good thing in some areas and that could be a bad thing in some areas, but. That's beautiful though. Right. But as, as I learn more about autism, as I learn more about autism advocacy, right. I, I realized that I I realized that I realized how much I I realized how much more aware I am aware that I I know I don't know things all right and I yeah. I know that yeah and so the thing I want to take away from this is that I'm always is that I'm always learning I'm always is that I'm always learning I'm always growing if uh the one thing you should take away from me is that I know what is that I the future is someone who can always learn and grow and be able to adapt and ask questions and and try their best to and try their best to understand to create a better world. That's all that's all I'm really trying to do. That's all I, I that's all I've ever wanted, that's all I've ever that's all I've ever believed in. Uh Sometimes I feel like that makes me. Un- I, sometimes I feel like that makes me unreasonable. Oh no! Right. Well, the world <laughs> needs more yeah, of that, right. if you ask me. Right. We uh, right, it, like in an age of 
uh, people doubting science and, and like being afraid of books. Right. I feel like right. we'd be so much better off if we would slow down and, and try to learn something new. Right. Right. So just, I, I realize that, I realize that the world, uh, I, I realize that there are two different, there are two different communities. Because I, uh, I think another, another person that I follow said there's two types of communities. There's the autism community and then there's the autistic that was me. community. And then, was that you? That was me, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was, well, I thought that was somebody else. Okay. I was going to say, that yeah, sounds really familiar. Autism. It was like the autism community and the autistic community. Yeah. Because I had never heard of it. But yes, I working on working on the autism advocacy stuff, I have noticed that is that there are two that there are two groups and the autism community has massively more let's call it influence or massive and money. power. Yeah, money. Money is influence and money is power. Right. Right. And then and uh, than the autistic community but the autistic community is pretty much why i have reached a level of self-acceptance and understanding yeah. because of them because of because of the the various twitter hashtags for actually autistic and you know uh being constantly followed by this autistic person and that autistic person and knowing individuals such as yourself and other people it, it it really does uh it really does mean a lot to have that to have that to, to have had that opportunity to meet so many of so many with so many different abilities and skills and life experiences and stuff like that it's just it's great i, I feel like i should probably explain a little bit for the audience we're talking about the autism community versus the autistic community and it might sound it might sound ridiculous. It might sound like they're the same thing, but there's a subtle but hugely important difference. What I'm contending in in the difference between the two is that the autism community is a community uh, around the subject of autism, but most of the people speaking and leading and making decisions and raising money and spending money are not actually autistic people themselves. And the autistic community is the community talking about autism that's made up primarily of autistic people and their allies who are mostly boosting the signal. Yeah. Well, wow. This was an awesome conversation, Emmanuel. And I am so glad we had this chance to talk. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Thank you so much. I'm going to get some of these links out in the show notes. In the meantime, if folks are listening that have really enjoyed um, what you have to say and they want to follow you, learn more about who you are, what you've done, what, where you're going next, how can they okay. connect with you? Uh, the best opportunities to uh, contact me are... Um off the uh well my twitter handle the blue maverick um that's the primary one so far uh, as far as the podcast i'm trying to do it off of anchor i'll talk uh, to you about that well, offline yeah right um, cool and uh and of course i write every now and again on 
on uh, neuroplastic. Those are the two primary ways to, uh, to reach me. I'll get links to those places in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this podcast, if you look at the show notes, you'll have direct links to connect with Emmanuel. So thanks so much. Uh, until next time, be kind to yourself, be kind to one another, and find somebody in your day-to-day that can't do anything in return for you and do something kind for them. All right? Until next time, catch you next week on the Neuroverse.